morning scripture reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, 1 through 20. Luke 2, 1 through 20. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken by Cyrenius, was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room at the inn. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that he had heard and they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Good morning, family. You know, I can't tell you how wonderful it is to have family in the body of Christ. And to come here this morning and to hear you guys lifting up your voices 
and that's joy. We want to talk about joy this morning. Uh, there's no greater joy than to be able to be in the presence of God with family. And I'm so thankful for you guys this morning. Um, our baby girl, uh, her name is Rylan Joy. Um, and there's, there's a story behind that. She's eight months old now, but a few years back, God took us through a hard time, as many people have gone through, where we um, we had lost a baby. And um, that baby was going to be named Ryland Joy, was what we decided. And, and through the, the process, um, God taught us so many things about joy, about, about what it means to choose joy, and it became an emblem of, of our life. Um, and then... Uh, Years down the road now, God brought us a uh, little baby, Ryland Joy, again. And um, we, we thought we made up the name Ryland. Uh, <laughs> thought we were being creative. And uh, we hadn't heard of it. We've heard of it since then a few times. But we named her Ryland Joy, and she became our joy baby. Um, she is just absolutely full of joy. And I've never, never had a baby that uh, is so full of smiles you can make her smile. You wake her up. You wake her up at one o'clock in the morning. Give her two seconds, and she's going to smile at you. I mean, I, it's unbelievable. Love the little girl. She's our joy baby, and we just found out this Christmas. Uh, Gabby was making ornaments um, and putting their our kids' names and their meanings on them, and and she did one more check, and she found an origin for Rylan um, out of Northern Europe somewhere found out that Rylan actually means joy. So um, we have double joy baby. Um, and uh, she's been such a blessing to us. Um, but since uh, last Thursday, or this past Thursday, it's been almost four days now, Rylan has been really sick. Uh, and, and she's not smiling. <laughs> And uh, it just, just really under weather, and it breaks our heart to be able to see her like that. There are things that are going to come in our life as we get into this topic today. There are things in this world that hit us and, uh, and come flying our direction that can rob joy from even the most joyful among us. Isn't that right? Why don't we open up in prayer as we dive into this topic this morning. God, I thank you that you are consistent. I thank you that you are consistent and that you are here. And really, as we look at the topic of joy, God, that's really all that matters is that you're here. God with us. So I pray that you would speak your heart through my heart, that you would touch, um, touch the hearts of those that you want to reach this morning, all of us. God, just be in this presence, and as we look at, at your word, as we look at, at your story, one of the most incredible moments this earth could ever witness. And as we <clears throat> dive into the idea of this advent of joy, God, and 
that you have brought upon us. We thank you, God, and we pray this in your name. So joy can come in many forms. How many of you guys like snow? How many of you guys love snow? Hands up. Okay. How many of you have had enough snow after about the, the first hour? Hands up. Okay, how many about after the first 15 minutes? How many after last winter never want to see snow again? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm in that one. My kids beg me to go to snow, and so I go to snow for the joy of their faces for 15 minutes. Once again, time is everything. Um, I want to show you a picture. Let's see here. Okay, when you see a picture like this of the snow, you notice that there are certain parts of the snow where, that are melting off and um, the ground is showing through. Ground is peeking through in certain these spots in the snow. If you were to look at that picture, you wouldn't for it, have any reason to assume that, um, that the nature has been tampered with um, to cause the, the dirt to show through and the snow to melt off. Let me ask you, which would be easier to believe um, when I show you this picture? Uh, that, that light covering of snow is melting naturally because as the snow melts off the trees, it's dripping water and it's just melting certain spots, certain holes in the snow. You know, you, you get certain spots that melt faster than others. Would it be easier to believe that this all melted naturally or that somebody was out there with a blow dryer <laughs> causing havoc? Obviously, we know that, that there's a natural explanation because some things just make sense naturally. But if I were to show you this picture, where you have a landscape untouched, full of beautiful snow, and you see these boot prints going down the center of it. Now, if you see that picture, which would be easier to believe? That the snow naturally melted, specifically in the shape of Ariat boots, or that these prints are evidence that somebody's presence has been inserted into the natural environment. You see what I'm saying? That someone entered into the natural environment and their presence is seen, and the evidence of their presence is seen in their footprints. Okay? Joy, as we're going to get into this morning, is an evidence of God's presence in the life of the believer. Joy is an incredible evidence of the life of God in our hearts. We read the story, Emmanuel, God is with us. Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, as quoted from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. I, I think when we hear that, prophecy, we don't, really, we don't really grasp the gravity of how big of a statement that is, that God with us, this moment in time that God inserted himself into human history. The earth will never be the same. For the first time in human history, God entered into the natural environment. He came to dwell with man in human likeness for the first time. But it didn't end with his life on earth because 
his last words on the earth, wherein, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The earth would never be the same from that moment on because the presence of Christ would continue to live in the hearts of believers long after he left the earth. Now you would expect that if Christ entered into humanity in this way, that there's going to be a footprint. You would expect that there's going to be evidence of his presence, and that's exactly where we're going. The imagery of this, I want to stick in your mind, footprints that God has been here are seen in the hearts of believers. And love, and hope, and joy, and peace. Think of the Advent that we celebrate Evidences, footprints of God, love, hope, joy, and peace. Now one might say, now how are love, hope, joy, and peace evidences of God's presence? I know plenty of people who have some or or all of these things continually in their life and they don't know Christ. Let me tell you, when the snow is deep, when that snow is so deep that the earth is nowhere to be found, And you see this. The footprints are evidence of something that is beyond natural. The footprints are some evidence of something you might say supernatural. If you see where I'm going, when you see love in the life of of a believer, and you see love in an individual when there is no human way that they could love in the situation that they're in, when you see hope in the life of an individual, when hope is 10,000 miles out of reach, when you see peace in the midst of chaos, calamity, or suffering, or when you see joy, when you see joy, when there is absolutely no possible natural human explanation for why a person could be joyful. then the only explanation must be rooted in something that is not natural. Something that is beyond the natural, something that is supernatural. A supernatural hope, supernatural love, joy, peace. Something that is beyond our humanity, the footprint of God. And that's where we're going with this this morning. What, What stands out in the character of God living amongst man. Emmanuel, God with us, is not, is not that, that joy exists in the hearts of humanity, but that there is the potential of joy when there's no reasonable explanation for it. Today we're celebrating the advent of joy, and joy is one of the most profoundly perplexing examples of, of this idea. We read stories in the New Testament, such as the stories of, of Paul and Silas, one of the most common ones. In situations of extreme torment and suffering, in stocks and prison, and they're singing hymns in joy, praising their Lord while their, their feet are in stocks, their back is whipped in pain in a musty prison for something they didn't even do. We're amazed at the reaction of the fellow prisoners, prisoners and the jailer, but who could not rack, react in complete astonishment? Because the evidence was clear that this is not normal behavior. People don't act like that when they have no reason to. 
Something greater than Paul and Silas, something greater than all of them had inserted himself into their timeline, something that was supernatural. And yes, that supernatural kind of joy and celebration in the midst of of circumstances like that creates a contagious sort of curiosity. Those men needed to know what they had, how they could be in the same spot that they were in for no reason and be rejoicing. Not only rejoicing, but not even want to leave the prison when the doors were open. Because they cared about the heart of the jailer. Beyond Paul and Silas, though, the entire New Testament is filled with examples. The entire church age, for that matter, is littered with stories of unreasonable joy in the face of torture, of death, people singing praise and immense suffering. You ever read Voice of the Martyrs? You ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? There's a, an endless list of stories of people being burned at the stake, being hung, being tortured, and they're singing to their God. Why? Why, unless we're witnessing the heart of somebody else inside of them, holding them up? How, unless, unless, Emmanuel, God is with us. So when we come to this story of that incredible night where our Lord entered into humanity in physical form. We come to that uh, night in Bethlehem, that starry night, silent night, calm and bright night. Somehow we know so much about the weather of that night. I don't know. I don't know what the night was like. I have no clue, but I do know this. That night, that night was the pinnacle of human history. Because that was the night that God entered into humanity, never to leave. And if that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what will. It, it gives me chills to think about that moment that God said, I'm here, and I'm not going anywhere. Now, one might say, if that's true, then why, why, this is the reality of it, why don't I feel that kind of joy? Why don't I feel that joy? You ever wondered that? You ever felt that? Why don't I feel that kind of peace or that hope or that love that you're speaking of? You might say, I have a hard enough time getting out of bed in the morning. I have a hard enough time getting through my day without feeling just lost, discouraged, defeated. You might say, I know that I'm supposed to have this supernatural joy within my heart, but I am in the thick of it right now, and you might be in the thick of it right now. Or you might have been. You might know what that feels like. And you might say, I have not been finishing my days feeling like I have conquered joy. Like I'm above this. I'm not finding joy in my heart. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you felt that? I felt that. (laughs) I felt that this week. 
I felt that last night. I'm trying to get ready to talk about um, joy in the heart of a believer, and I've got this baby girl that is just suffering. And it's so hard to see them when they're so young. And she's been running a fever for four days straight, and she has been throwing up, and, and I'm trying to hold it together. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to find those moments of joy, and I'm trying to make the best out of it. But last night, I reached a point where I could see this isn't getting better, and I'm supposed to stand up there tomorrow, and I just told Gabby, what am I doing? I'm just being honest with you guys. I said, what am I, what am I doing? How am I going to get up there and I'm going to talk about joy? I haven't slept in days. And, and on my heart, all I could think about is I got this girl that I care about more than the world and, and she's sicker than ever. And I don't even know if I'm going to be sleeping tonight or if I'm going to be in the ER tonight. What do you do in that moment when you got to figure out how do I muster up joy? That's real, right? Do you understand? I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I know that you guys have been through this. I'm sharing this because I know that you understand it. And I'm sharing this because that's the entire reason why I'm here talking about joy. Because if I'm going to skip to the end of where I'm going with this, it really comes down to the fact that God has something bigger than us, far bigger, and your joy will be connected completely to how connected you are to the message of God. I'm off script. <laughs> and I'm not going to make you turn to it, but... The Apostle Paul in Philippians, God's bringing this to mind here. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1 makes a statement that is absolutely incredible. He is in prison. And he says, I rejoice, I take joy in the fact that the gospel, the message of Christ is going out. You know what's remarkable about that? Not only that he's in prison, but he says, he says the message of God is going out. Some are preaching it, and I'm paraphrasing here, some are preaching it out of good intention and some are preaching it out of wrong motives. The former out of love for God, the latter are preaching it out of, out of wrong intentions trying to cause me harm, he said. What he was dealing with was people that were preaching the gospel out of love for God and people that were preaching the gospel because they wanted to cause harm to Paul. And they were saying, don't listen to what Paul is saying. Paul is in prison for what he was doing wrong, but here's the gospel. You know what Paul's response to that was? I rejoice. He says, because whether by the former or the latter, the gospel is going out. The message of God is going out. See, he was so removed. He was so removed from God's message, that he didn't care if the gospel was going out at the expense of his character, through slander of his name while he was in prison. We're going to find that joy is manifest when we are walking 
in his footsteps. We sing the song, Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I love the song. That is a song of triumph. You hear the excitement in the song? I want you to imagine with me for a moment what this night that Jesus was born, what this night meant in all of the heavenlies. Imagine hypothetically the angels and the heavenly host who have been watching the scope of humanity, the scope of history play out before them. All of the pain, all of the suffering, the anger, the shame, the bloodshed, the guilt, you name it, put it all in one pot. They've been watching this and they see the whole perspective, not, not gray and not blinded. And it's all culminating to this moment when God, Elohim, would step into human history. Imagine the joyous celebration in that moment in the heavens like nothing we could ever imagine as all of these celestial onlookers knowing full well the immensity of this moment proclaim the news of his arrival. I bring to you good, no- good news of great joy which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth among men with whom he is well pleased. Now do you think the angels in heaven understood how big of a deal this was? I'll tell you what, I don't know how many heavenly hosts appeared in the sky, but I guarantee you all of the hosts of heaven were singing that tune together. This wasn't some organized Baptist choir arranged by height and haircut. This this was a celebration in heaven like nothing anyone had ever seen. This is the unhindered joy of God's creation crying out in song, knowing what this meant for humanity, that God himself, the king of creation, had left his throne to be with mankind. So yes, when I hear the song, Joy to the World, I could imagine the heart of the angels singing out. And I know they didn't sing the words of joy to the world, but proclaiming joy. Your Lord, your Savior, your hope, your Redeemer has come. Let earth receive her king. But the problem is that earth did not receive her king. You hear the shout of the angels going out and I almost can imagine this deafening silence in years to follow. You can almost hear the deafening silence in this echoing anticlimax. Like a responsive cheer that needed an echo, but was left unanswered. 
Earth didn't receive their king. Emmanuel, God is with us. But it means nothing that God is with us if we aren't with God. And that's a big deal. It brings me to the point that the joy of the Messiah went unanswered because the masses were on a different program than the angels. They were on a different program than their God. They weren't in step with their Lord. See, the joy of the Lord will be present when one is in step with the heart of the Lord. I'll say that again. The joy of the Lord will be present when one is in step with the heart of the Lord. Because that supernatural joy isn't your own. Doesn't it make sense? It's not your own. So you're only going to have it when you're so in step with God that it is His joy flowing through you. There were those that were in step with the Lord, let me tell you. They were few and far between. But you remember Simeon? Simeon was a man who was in step with the Lord. And because of that, he didn't miss out on the joy of receiving his king. You remember the story? Interestingly enough, we don't really know anything more about the person of Simeon other than that he was a man who was devout in his love for the Lord. You know, I, somehow I got this mixed up. All of my growing up, I thought Simeon, I thought he was uh, an official in the temple of some sort. I thought he worked there. <laughs> he didn't work there, he just was there all the time. All it says about Simeon was that he was a man aged in years who loved his God. And because he was in step with his God, God told him, Simeon, guess what? I'm, I'm going to bring the Messiah to you. You're going to get to see him before you die. And sometimes, sometimes we handle how the Jews received Jesus, how they didn't understand what was going on. We, we easily pass that off. Well, if we were in that situation, we probably wouldn't either because we weren't looking for the right thing. And I, that could be. I might have been right there with the masses, but I'll tell you what, those who sought God all day, in that same passage, uh, uh, what's her name? The prophetess. Anna, there we go. Prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phanael. There were those that were seeking God, and guess what? They had no problem understanding what God was doing. Simeon knew what he was looking for, and God showed it to him. And he rejoiced. Luke 2, 29. i got to read that for you. Luke 2, 29. The words of Simeon, when he holds the Messiah in his hands, staring into his eyes, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, the light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. That's a man who loved his Lord and was excited to see the Messiah had come in his time. 
See, if you're in step with the purpose of God, with the heart of God, then you will be filled with the joy of God. You will never experience as great, as a, great of joy as that of knowing that you are dead center in the middle of where God wants you to be. What about Mary and Joseph? The older I get, which is funny for me to say, I know, um, <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of glares. I felt it, so I <laughs> figured I could correct myself really fast. The, the character of Mary stands out to me so much. This girl was incredible. And she was not part of the masses. The masses were not looking for the right Lord. They were not on the right program. And Mary, whatever it was with Mary... She was in tune to her Lord. They were in step with their Lord, her and Joseph both, because Joseph was ready to listen. And because they were in step with the Lord, they didn't miss out on the joy of his arrival. And don't take that for granted. Think of the reality of the situation. Because I think we can relate to it a lot more than we realize. Think about Mary. She is a girl. The simple girl who was entrusted with the greatest responsibility human, humanity had ever seen. Do you think she felt pressure to perform? Do you think she felt fear that she would fail? Do you think she felt irrational fears that would slip into her mind that she was going to mess it all up and disappoint God? That maybe God was going to regret the decision at some point? Do you think she felt those? Tell you what, she was very human. You relate to that? Have you ever felt that kind of fear? Have you ever feared that you're gonna, going to or already have messed things up so badly in your life that you're not going to be able to fix it? Tell you what, if you're a parent, you probably know what it's like to carry guilt for mountains of things. Do you think Mary wanted to give the best child Give the best to this child within her? Don't you think that she had a far better birth planned in her mind than bringing God of the universe into the world in a feeding trough? I think she had a birth plan that was a little different than that. I think she had an idea of maybe wanting to give him some honor because I'm sure she already felt like plenty of a failure. There was plenty of people that would make her feel like a failure when she had a baby out of wedlock. And didn't know, nobody knew the backstory. I'm sorry, angels didn't appear to the rest of the world. And people talk. So after feeling like a failure for nine months, I'm sure she wanted to give him the best birth possible. And I don't think that a feeding trough was on her list. Now there are few things that can suck the joy out of your life like the fear that you have let your God down. I don't know what was going through Mary's mind in those last moments before she gave birth. As she was nearing Bethlehem and she could feel that this labor was imminent, as they scrambled around the town to find a place, any place, to be able to rest, maybe hoping that her contractions would stop, and that she could postpone this just a little longer. as she settled in the deep, dark reality 
that the dirty stable was her only option. Should I have stayed back? Could I have stayed back? What could I have done differently? Where did I go wrong? I would not doubt that any of these thoughts might have been filling Mary's mind in the panic of trying to figure out how she was going to bring God into the world. This one responsibility that she had. And I don't know what was going through her mind, but I can imagine that it might not have been peace and joy in that moment. I'm sure the weight of failure rested heavy on her shoulders in these moments. Can you relate to that? Have you ever felt that God has entrusted you with something that you had let him down? I don't know what Mary's delivery experience was like in that stable. Can't have been good. But I will tell you this, through all of that, I have no idea what it would be like to witness the birth of the God of the universe. But I'll tell you this, having seen my wife give birth four times now, that when that labor is over, and all the hustle and the bustle in the delivery room, things get crazy in there. And then all of a sudden, that moment when that baby is united with her mom and they're staring each other eye to eye. I, I, I tell you what, that room goes silent and there is nothing that is more incredible than that moment. And I could remember it so clearly for each of my children because there's this moment when that little face all of a sudden looks up and it hears its mother's voice and it's studying mama's face and realizing that this is, this is mama taken in that face. They got this little frown on. They were, you know. I would be frowning too if I went through that. But There's nothing more incredible, more miraculous than that moment of, of eye to eye learning each other. Mary, in that moment of silence, stared into the face of her Lord. And he stared back at her. And I guarantee you that in that moment, God spoke. God spoke overwhelming joy into the heart of Mary. Without speaking a word. Have you ever felt God speak to you in that way? When you feel the silence and you stare to him eye to eye. See, for Mary, that whatever was going on before then, that was the moment that I'm sure everything shifted. Because Emmanuel, God, was with them. And she was staring at the Lord. God was there. And God speaks to you in his presence. I'm here. It's all going to be okay. I'm here. You are here, God. So it's going to be okay. The presence of God 
is the changing factor in our relationship to joy. Because for Mary, I tell you what, the circumstances didn't change. She was still laying on a sweaty, messy bunch of hay in a terrible environment. That didn't change. But if God was there, if you're here, God, and if you're okay with this, then I'm okay with this. I see the difference? As long as I know that I didn't disappoint my God, as long as I know that I'm on track with you, then we're okay. We always, we always want the miracle. We always want God to step in and, and, to, and to change it, the circumstances. We, we want it to get fixed. Believe me, I wanted my daughter to get better all of this week. Last night, I wanted my daughter to get better so that I could just focus on being joyful. Things don't always happen that way, do they? I, w- I expected, I expected the miracle. That I was going to wake up this morning and there was going to be no evidence that she was even sick. But it dawned on me the reality as I had to load my three kids up in the car to come here and my wife loaded up my baby girl to go to the hospital this morning. That's not how it always goes. But if you're here, God, we're okay. God doesn't have to change the circumstances if he proves that he's with you in it. There is one word that changes the dynamic of our lives, and that word is Emmanuel. God is with us. And Gabby and I said goodbye to us, each other this morning. My daughter's going to be fine. She just needs a little bit more help than we can give. It's just not the ideal morning for preaching. (laughs) But Emmanuel, God is with us, and that's what we spoke to each other as we left. God is with us. We're going to be all right. Hey, we're going to be all right. It wasn't enough for God just to speak to her In the silence, God brought confirmation that she was right where she was supposed to be. This is our God. He brought the shepherds, he brought the star, the whole entourage, almost to speak to Mary and say, hey, you are right where you were supposed to be the whole time. It was always the stable, Mary. It was always the the manger. It was never going to be anything else. I, I set a star up. This was planned. Can you imagine the joy in Mary's heart realizing that, wow, God, I didn't mess this up. This was you. Brings great freedom and joy knowing that you're right where God wants you to be. Guys, God gives us joy and when we sing together, which we're going to do, I tell you what, that joy abounds in this place. You all filled my heart this morning. Let's sing together.
Let's find the joy of the Lord in this place because this is what God, this is where God lives. Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. God, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us enough to be here in our presence. Thank you for loving us, us enough to come to dwell with us and not leave. It's remarkable when I hear the words of the angel saying that we are to rejoice because God has chosen to dwell with us because he was pleased with man. God, I have no clue how you could be pleased with mankind, but you are. You were pleased enough to send your son to fix it all. So we rejoice. This Christmas, God, we rejoice because you are so much greater than our lives you are so much greater than the things around us and help us to identify our joy with you and your purpose this morning. We love you, God. Help my baby Riley. Amen.